Welcome to episode 29 of the Eye of Terror podcast. I'm George. And I'm Alec. And we play 40K. Well, thanks again for joining us. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, hello. Hello. Hi. Uh, otherwise, you're listening to the podcast stream. So thank you for being a loyal listener. We really, really should sort of thank a lot of the listeners who, for whatever reason, mm. seem to listen to multi- multiple times the same episode. Thank, thank you for enjoying the sounds of our voices. Thank you for artificially increasing our numbers. Or our opinions are both. Yes. <laughs> thank you. That it, 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 helps, it helps with the insecurity. Thank yeah, you, people. Absolutely. Uh, also, thank you for the kind messages you're leaving on Facebook. And then there's a couple of messages on, on the new YouTube channel. So thank you there. It definitely encourages us to keep doing what we're doing. Okay, let's start with some hobby progress. Indeed. All right, got a long ways into uh, finishing the Sisters of Silence. Yes, you were uh, motivated. I think after you saw the, uh, I think after you saw you, you enjoyed the models. Actually, you weren't sure about it first. I I wasn't sure, and then I think I once I started looking at the models closely, uh, yeah. and I saw the rules. Yep, I got more excited. Yeah, so I managed to secure some off of eBay. Indeed. Uh, and uh, they came in and immediately built them and uh, put them together. The paint the paint uh, scheme is going to be silver with like a bluish glow. Yep. All the sort of all the little links in the armor, all the little recesses are all like uh, made with a blue glaze. Hmm. And so it gives it, it looks like they're pulse, kind of a pulsing in power. Somebody hmm. on Reddit called it tr- uh, true silver. True like, silver? Like wearing true silver armor. True, so I thought that was pretty cool. But they look good. I'm yeah. really happy with the way they're turning out. Uh, I, I've used the uh, GW sort of detailed bases, mm-hmm. so those are going to be dark and rusted to com- you know contrast with the silver armor of the sisters. So I think they're going to look great. So we're yeah, excited I've, about that. I've seen them. They look pretty cool. I posted one photo and I got a note from GW saying, "Hey, can we put this on our uh, GW site?" So that's exciting. That's exciting. That's the third time they've they've tagged one of my yeah. one of my uh, uh, pictures on Instagram. Ah, uh, it's nice. It's nice to get noticed. I'm a very mediocre painter, but um, yeah. I, I guess they want they want uh, all kinds of painting quality on their blog. Apparently, apparently. yeah. So that's coming along great. Uh, my next project is probably going to be the Leviathan. The Leviathan, huh? The Leviathan Dreadnought. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Though you still have like things that are unpainted. <laughs> yeah. If. I'm gonna always have things that are unpainted, like 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 the Corvus Black Star still. Oh unpainted. yeah 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 I, yeah. So that's built, and that's it's got a layer. Of, it's got a, it's half of its base coated black. Yep, that's as far as I've gotten on it. Because Death Watch is not my priority right now. I really want to finish my my LVO list, and that's going to be called Mechanicus with a Knight and the Sisters of Silence. Which is, of course, why you're working on the Leviathan. Oh, yeah. Well, I just got to finish my Sisters of Silence, and the Leviathan is going to be because it's a beautiful model, and I just want to paint it. Corvus is also a really cool model. Oh, it is. It is. All right. Are you just guilting me into painting the Corvus because you want to use it? Oh, my. I've I've already expressed my love for the Corvus on this show before. I don't think I need to go into it again. Okay. All right. I will probably work on the Corvus here and there. I like to have a bunch of different things that I'm working on at the same time. So. Mm. Anyway, okay, good. Thanks for calling me out. Well, speaking of hobbying, look what we got our hands on. Bum, we got our hands on one bum, of bum. Yesterday, for, dun, those of you, for those of you listening, we're holding up to the microphone box of the Thousand Suns Rubric Marines. 
Very excited. If you're also on our YouTube channel, you probably have seen an unboxing from Alec that we just posted recently. Yes. Yeah. So Alec, what do you what do you think now that, now that you've actually look at this? You built a couple of these. I built I built like two. That's about two. it. That's all the time we had to do on these today. Oh what no. Do you think? They're great. They yeah. are ex they are really wonderful looking models that again they they looked good in pictures then they look even better in person it's just the detail it, on these wonderful. things is amazing oh uh, yeah it just they look so great night and day from the space marines from you know those from the model moles that came 10 years ago seriously so awesome probably the best looking space marines i've seen the best looking space marines yeah, uh, well, you know, including Chaos and, oh, and Raider. Wait, wait, we're both from both. From both, from both. Wow. I mean, I, I like the Death Watch models. I think they're beautiful. But in terms of overall detail and style, Ooh. I think these Rubik Marines are the best looking um, Space Marine models I've I've ever seen. They're amazing looking. High praise, yeah. They're also so full of details that they're going to be a huge challenge to paint. They're, these aren't the kind of things you can go through quickly. These are going to be models that you spend a lot of time with. Yeah, because they're so freaking detailed. I mean, they're so detailed. And these are like, and these are just the, these are just the foot soldiers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, this is the first box. Yeah, more, more will come. Alex, Alex, getting a whole new Zinch army. Pretty much. That, yeah, that's very much what's happening. Sons army. So we're, we've got some occult terminators coming in. We've got the exalted sorcerers coming in. We got another box of rubric marines coming yep. in, and we have Araman. Araman. Yeah. And on his new on his new disc. On his new flying disc. On his new skateboard. Let's make one of those powerful. Hey, let's make one of those powerful uh, psychers in 40k. And put let's him make on. him a jet bike. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about the, some of the options you have in this uh, Rubric Marines box. In the Rubric Marines I box. I think there's a lot of options. All right. You, so you 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 painstakingly cut off every piece of plastic from the sprues. Indeed. What's in here? What is in here? Indeed. Well, first of all, we have the usual pauldrons, backpacks, arm leg selections. In terms of special things, we have loincloths. Everyone gets their own loincloth. <laughs> uh, really uh, important for very future important. war that you have a loincloth indeed very important we have um, most of the special stuffs for the sorcerer but the stuff that's not are the uh, warp flamers I don't know what they do yet so I can't say whether they're worth anything or not because the book's still on its way unfortunately yeah so we don't have the weapon profiles yet yeah. we just have the weapons and their costs yep that's all we have but um so we have the warp flamers, and anyone can upgrade to get a warp flamer. There's no limit how many warp flamers you can get, but there's seven points <clears throat> per upgrade. So there's five warp flamers in the box. Uh, no, there's ten warp oh, flamers wow. in the box ten. alongside ten bolters. Okay, wow. So you get ten AP three bolters. Inferno bolt guns. Hmm. Ten of those, and then yep. ten warp flamers, and then you also get the bits for a sergeant, right? An uh, aspiring sorcerer. Yeah, the aspiring sorcerer, which. Um, he can be upgraded to have, you can pose him to either have like the outstretched hand, mm -hmm. uh, a bolt pistol, or the uh, hand warp flamer. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, okay. so I don't know what I'm going to do. Yeah, these guys sound expensive. They are expensive. They haven't been reduced in cost at all, much to my chagrin. We don't know their their profile either. Though I, they could be, they could be. Maybe they've gotten a significant upgrade in terms of leadership, attacks. Uh, no, their stats no. seem to be pretty much identical. 
Um, I, but I don't know what rules they're going to get in terms of the actual book itself, since this is a new army, essentially. Time will tell. All so, right. Yeah, so well, I don't know. Oh, oh, we didn't mention though. What? We didn't mention the um, soul render or soul render. Is that it? No, soul reaper. Soul reaper. Soul reaper. Assault cannon. All these soul. The soul reaper cannon. Yeah, the soul reaper assault cannon for twenty five points. Uh, Whatever sounds, that is. Sounds expensive. If it's just a strength six AP four or AP dash weapon, it's not worth it. No, but I'm hoping for something. Like, uh, I'm hoping for maybe if it's just the strength, uh, maybe it's an AP3 assault cannon. That would be awesome. That would be horrifying. That would be horrifying. Do behold. Oh my God, that would be horrifying. And the, oh yeah, and you can upgrade one of them to have an icon of flame, which gives all their attacks uh, soul blaze. The entire squad attacks soul blaze. Right. So it sounds to me like they're still going to stay an expensive elite form of space marines. Yep. But they're going to have awesome weapons to... To bring into the battlefield, yeah, yeah. and and look great. Well, yeah, I mean they're they're yeah. still they're still pretty hardy. They got like a four up invuln save. They're all fearless. Yeah, they're 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 no pushovers. Okay, I wouldn't expect chaotic Zinchian space marines to be pushovers after ten thousand years in the warp. But they came out with a grand sense of style. Mm. I, oh yeah, oh yeah, I'll give you that. Oh yeah, okay, styling and profiling. Final word on the rubric marines. Definitely worth getting. Uh, thus far, they seem very much worth getting at the very least from a hobbying perspective at the very least. Okay. I, I have yet to see from a rules perspective. Hmm. <laughs> we'll find out soon as we're recording this, uh, Trader Legions is going to come out next weekend. Next weekend. Next weekend. That's when next we'll finally weekend. get all the rules and Wrath yeah. of Magnus, which, uh, that, uh, supplement is coming on its way. So hopefully we'll see it during the week. Yes. We'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll find out. We'll find out. Okay, we're going to take a little break, and uh, when we get back, we're going to talk about this uh, great game that we just played called The Grizzled. All that when we return. Okay, we're back. All right, so we're going to talk about this game that we just tried called The Grizzled. For those watching you on uh, watching on YouTube, we're holding it up. Yep. Here we go. Right now. It's a fast little game from Cool Mini or Not for two to five players. Yep. Each game lasts, I'd say, under 30 minutes. Um, yeah, on around. On, or actually, we played with two players, so it might last more if there's... If there's more players. If there's more players. It's, well, a, it's, it's, really, it, it's really short, though. It's like... It's a world, the setting is World War One, and you play a platoon of soldiers, yep. and you have to go out and accomplish missions. It's, it, it really requires cooperation between the players. Oh yeah, it builds like, it, for like a, such a short game that seems really like simple, it builds like a surprising amount of tension as you try not to all die. Yeah, yeah uh, lots of surprising amounts of tension. Yeah. The general premise is that you lay out some cards which represent potential threats. They're, they're what we call the trials cards. Yep. And if you reduce the pile of trial cards, the war is over and you've won the game. Or reduce it to zero, yeah. But if, uh, if on the other hand, 
you start piling on more trials because you have failed to accomplish your mission, eventually you run out of trials and you get a monument. You get to the bottom of that pile and then you end up with the monument and you're dead. And yeah. That's it. You lost the game. Also, if you get too many traumas, what they call hard knocks. Then you, then you just. Then the game is over the as well. Over. The game is over as well. It starts off with players each having a lucky charm too, so that you can use them to eliminate Certain particular threats. Particular threats, yep. There's an interesting uh, mechanic that you can give a speech, yeah, which helps to also alleviate threats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, well, while you, well, your your delta hand, uh, the mission leader decides how many, what level of mission it's going to be, anywhere between one to four, and depending on that number is the number of cards you get dealt for that hand. Yeah. And then each player takes their turn, with, uh, and they have a series of actions they can perform. One is to lay down a potential threat. One is to lay down uh, something that might turn into a trauma for one of the players for, for yourself. You could also uh, use your lucky charm, or you could give a speech. Those are the general choices. Um, it, once you lay out all your threats, and there's um, and uh, you can you can withdraw, and uh, if both players withdraw, then the mission is successful, and then you go to the next round. Yep. Okay. It, the mechanic sounds a little more complicated than it actually turns out to be. It's, yeah. It's pretty straightforward. It's pretty straightforward, especially in like comparison to something like Warhammer. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's, this is a nice little palette. Yeah. Cleanser. This really, it really is. It yeah. just is nice, simple. It doesn't, it doesn't really have much. It, for a war game, it has really nothing to do with violence. Not no, really. No. It really is about cooperation and uh, the kind of threats are sort of symbolically yeah, so, uh, represented as a whistle. Um, a gas mask. Others, uh, weather threats like yeah. rain and snow, snow and, and nighttime. Nighttime, yeah. Yeah. The artwork, first off, is absolutely gorgeous. Oh, yeah, it's wonderful. Um, it, one, of the, one of the things that I don't think is on the box, but the artwork is apparently from one of the artists that was killed by terrorist attack at the Charlie Hebdo offices. Huh. Yeah. So, yeah, he, he was a contributor to the Charlie Hebdo magazine. But the artwork is fantastic. Um, it's probably a big part of the feel of the game. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's really And it also has. It looks like it's it's trans. The rules are a little weird. They obviously have been translated from a different language. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So they can I, be I a think, little hard to read at times. Yeah. I, to me, it sounds like it, it was translated from French because the, the soldiers are all French. Yeah, they're they're, they're all they're all French. All they all have French names. But the <laughs> the you have little tiles. This is a support tile. It has a little coffee cup. Really cute. Yeah. You know, and then here's your, you know, holding it up. The if monument. If you're listening, you're not seeing this, but holding up the monument. We have a very Pablo Picasso piece dove. There you go. Yeah. That's If you get to there, you win the game. Game is uh, really fun, um, really fast. I have a feeling that with two players, uh, it's not too hard to beat. But with more players, it's probably really hard to beat. So we, we only tried it with two, but yeah. you know, we're looking forward to playing this with, uh, you know, more than that sometime soon. Um, I, I, I actually like this game a lot. We bought this probably about six months ago and haven't played it since again. Mm -hmm. It was just typical for us. We, we always, this is what we always do with other board games. We just yeah. we buy them either and either A, we don't play them ever or right. B, we play them like once and then we pack them up and put them back. Right. Because we gotta play more Warhammer. Because we gotta play more Warhammer. There's just no time. Because the new codex supplement. Just it's came it's, out. it's a new code. I gotta new try models, the. Got I gotta models. try the new units. <laughs> yeah, but we're geeks uh, in general, so we're gonna yeah. play other games now and then. Uh, as a palate cleanser and as just a quick uh, way of uh, having fun and trying something that isn't as competitive and more cooperative, 
Uh, really recommend The Grizzled. I think it's a great game. It got nominated for a whole bunch of lists for Best of 2015 when it came out. I didn't get a chance to play it until this year. Yep. Um, go out and get it. I think it's like 20 bucks. Yeah. Definitely, definitely worth it. Okay. All right. When we come back, we're going to get into our armory section where we'll be talking about the Tau's pulse rifles. All that and more when we return. back okay the tau pulse rifle that's the topic of this week's uh armory section the tau is known as a very shooty army indeed and, it is and probably the big reason for that is um the pulse rifle the ubiquitous pulse rifle which fire teams with fire warriors tau warriors uh, yeah. carry a standard issue so first let's talk about a general description of the tau pulse rifle indeed it is a uh, formidable main infantry weapon of the tau an advanced pulse weapon which utilizes pulsed induction fields to repel lethal microbursts of plasma over astonishing ranges. Or so the Wakia says. Right. Standard issue weapon for fire warriors. It apparently has damage output and range that is above anything the Tau have encountered from their enemies. Um, sometimes Kroot are able to use it, sometimes let them have it. Also, notably, used by um, drones as a uh, twin set. The standard stats on the pulse rifle is it's got a 30-inch range, yeah. uh, strength 5, AP 5 with rapid fire. Already, the fact that it's got a longer range than the Bolter makes it dangerous. The fact that it's strength 5 yep. means for Space Marines, you just have to roll a 3 to wound. Uh, that's also fantastic. Rapid fire is just the icing on the cake. Mm -hmm. um, it, it is shocking how far 30 inches is on the battlefield um, and how much that, how big a difference that is um, when you're when you're in a fight that extra six inches uh, it really makes yeah. a huge difference and the fact that you've got uh, rapid fire at 15 also yeah, is a just, big deal it's a big deal right you combine that with things like supporting fire like when when overwatch happens yep and you have a you have a recipe for destruction yeah the pulse rifle is a fantastic weapon probably probably the second best weapon in the game just standard issue weapon in the game what would you say was the first bested the, the goss flare yeah i, I get that I because the goss flare has the ability to take down monsters any creatures and, yeah it any can take armor. down anything with uh, when you roll a six yeah this, nice. this doesn't quite do that but but uh, it, it in terms of its standard operation it is indeed better than the uh yeah goss flare in terms in respects of the stat line it really is one of the most dangerous weapons for uh infantry unit to be holding right um it's essentially since it's essentially Tiny, it's, it's essentially tiny pieces of plasma that are being propelled at like hyper-fast speeds rather than these like big, dangerous, explosive bursts that are used by the Imperium. They have mastered the art of using safe plasma for right. slightly less crazy and explosive results. Um, the fact that, that a whole strike team of fire warriors, mm -hmm. um, a five-man unit, comes in at 45 points, which is nine points a model... Equipped with uh, pulse rifles is pretty amazing. So again, it's really cheap for what it can do. I, I think it's great. There's also ways to add uh, what do you call it? Multiple multipliers. Yeah. Uh, one is to equip 
the fireward team um, with the cadre fireblade. He's an HQ unit that costs 60 points, and one of his special rules he's got is volley fire. If the cadre fireblade in every model in his unit remains stationary in the movement phase, or pulse rifles and pulse carbines each fire an additional shot in the shooting phase. So if they stay still and suddenly you think you can overwatch that mm -hmm. fire warrior team and they have a cadre fireblade, <laughs> this is a 10-man unit. That's going to be 30 pulse rifle you know, overwatch shots at you. Yeah. You know, that's... It's crazy. Yeah, you're probably going to take down a lot of stuff or at least significantly wound anything coming down, coming at you. And that's not even including um, other units who might join in as part of Tau supporting fire. Yeah, it really, it really is. Yeah, if there's something ridiculous. within six or 12 inches of that of that unit, yeah. oh my God. It's just ridiculous. It's ridiculous amounts of, of shootiness for this one army. Yeah. Oh, fun, oh. fun bit of history yep. for the Pulse Rifles. Um, they were first developed during the Campaign of Cleansing which took place uh, from 606.M38 to 792.M38, which it, this was a um, first encounter with the orcs, actually, and it was specifically dealt to combat them. Oh, I didn't know that Pulse was created to fight orcs. Yeah, and that's what it was initially created to, but it became... Well, I mean, it, well, I mean, it wasn't specifically meant for orcs, more so as it was a um, useful weapon development to combat the orcs as they were losing the war at first. I hear you, I hear you. One other way to uh, magnify uh, the uh, reach of the pulse rifle is to equip an ethereal as one of your HQs. The ethereals, as you know, have this uh, special rules, including the invocation of the elements, and mm -hmm. one of their invocations is called Storm of Fire. Uh, affected models fire an extra shot with pulse weapons when firing at a target within half of the weapon's maximum range. This does not affect pulse bomb, pulse driver cannons, and pulse blast cannons, but includes crude rifles firing pulse rounds. Storm of Fire can only affect the unit once per turn, regardless how many ethereals invoke it. Again, another way, this is a, ethereals are 50 points. Another way to, yeah. you know, just add another 10 shots to every round uh, of Tau Fire Warrior sh uh, shooting. Pretty amazing. I, I love the pulse rifles. I love the Fire Warrior. Uh, as a basic troops unit because it's just so powerful. The fire warrior, fire warriors. Yeah. I love fire warriors. Um, I I I try to have I try to maximize their their unit strength to ten uh, because there's so many of these long range strength five shots coming at you. Yeah, they're one of they're certainly one of those like infantry like with like with a space marine tax squad. It's like fine to do five, and you can and that's like okay yeah just get them out of the way or get like a scout squad and make that cheaper and essentially have them as sort of a almost like a tax yeah but for like both but for like the tau fire warriors you want you want more of that you want more of that strength five goodness yeah and then it also makes sense to take because since the models are cheap it makes yep. sense to take as many as you can one you know they're terrible in assault so yeah so but that's not ultimately if you're <clears throat> playing if you're playing Tau well, you should hopefully never have to encounter assault. Well, one of the reasons, one way you uh, eliminate assault yep. is by eliminating the assaulter. Ex and precisely. That's why if you precisely. that's why if you put ten fire warriors together and they've got like a cadre fire blade in there or an ethereal, that's going to be thirty you know shots coming at you just from that one unit alone. Yep. There's not going to be much of an assault left. Such is the point. Exactly. Exactly. So that's why I like to. That's why I like fire wars. They're cheap, and they can certainly reach out and touch you 
right there <laughs> super hot pulse plasma yeah mm -hmm. i love the i love pulse rifles i think uh they're great weapons all Indeed. right there you go now you know a little something about pulse rifles if you play Tau, you already know it. You already, already love it. Yep, you already know. If you haven't played Tau and you're going to play Tau, <laughs> just beware Oof. of the pulse rifles. <laughs> Always ask if if the Fire Warriors are being supported by an Ethereal or yeah. by a Cadre Fireblade because you may find out the hard way that you might <laughs> and that there's a lot of shots coming your way. Unpleasant surprises. Yeah. Okay. Speaking of unpleasant surprises, after the break, we'll get into our battle report. Uh, this time we decided to play uh, with our Lords of War. We'll get into the fight between the Imperial Knight and the Storm Lord when we come back. I'm Alexa, and you are listening to the Eye of Terror podcast. And we're back. Okay, so for this battle report, we decided to keep things small, compact, and intense. We decided to pit two Lords of War against each other. Now, the, the Lords of War that we currently own are an Imperial Knight, mm -hmm. a Tau Storm Surge, yep. Commander Dante, yep. right, and a Storm Lord. So we decided we were just going to pick one and have one detachment to go alongside it, however you define a detachment, um, and a maximum of 1,000 points. So that was the that was the setup. The mission we were gonna play was the Relic. Yep. So we had something to fight for. That was it. So Alec, talk about why you chose the Lord of War you chose. Okay, well, I chose the Storm Lord mainly because I would have felt a little bit dirty choosing the storm surge and tau i felt like uh well that's that's you know because in all i could the destroyer missiles would have killed most things put in front of it including including knight or including like the knight or storm ward or at least mm -hmm. severely damage them because then it it felt like it would be like oh, that's that'd be a bit easy so i figured okay storm ward would be a Nice little fire, the nice little fire base of um, horrifying anti-infantry pain and limited anti-armor capabilities. So I went with that. Uh, so I was surprised that you took the Storm Lord, honestly. Um, I, I thought for sure we were going to go for the Storm Surge. Yeah, I, I just would I just didn't feel... For the nature of the game we were playing, Yeah, since it was more of a fun thing, yeah. I felt, yeah, it was a well. It's turned into a competition as opposed to... Yeah, let's roll into... three dice and the game's over. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> right. I chose the Imperial Knight because I again I'm practicing for the LVO and I wanted to use a unit which I know is going to be part of the war convocation, so I want to get used to it. Um, I've got a knight errant that has the thermal cannon and the Reaper chainsword, and I just got a little storm spear rocket pod on top of it. So that's what I chose. And um, as my supporting unit, I brought in the Golden Host from the Angel's Blade Codex supplement. Uh, and that is basically one HQ unit and two units of Sanguinary Guard. And for my HQ unit, just because I haven't played them ever in a battle, I chose the Sanguinor. Oh. When you play the Golden Host, you never choose a Sanguinor. Always choose Commander Dante. His yeah. rules are so much better. Just go with Commander. Just go with Commander. But, Why wouldn't you I, go but with this Commander was a fun Dante? game. 
and I haven't played the Sanguinor, and I actually do like the way the model looks. I just, he just, he's just not really good on the field, as it turns out. <laughs> to, to, to be, well, to be honest, turns out you didn't really, have, you still didn't have the opportunity to play <laughs> to the Sanguinor. Yeah, that's true. I didn't technically play the Sanguinor either. You'll, you'll find out what happened. But yeah, so that was my army. So uh, talk about your supporting units for the Stormlord. Uh, my supporting units were two vet squads and a chimera, each equipped with three plasma guns, uh, and a Ward Commissar as an HQ. And that was the entire army. Like, that was the entire army, including the Stormlord. Yeah. So uh, 1,000 points each. I won table sides. I also won deployment. But I let you deploy first. Indeed. Because I wanted to see how you were deploying. And I, and I knew that in, the Golden Host starts in reserve. So I was only going to have the Imperial Knight on the table. But yeah. And my, my, yeah, my, like, deployment wasn't very, like, it was very simple. It was just, gra- it was just geared to grab the relic. Right. You basically put your two chimeras in the middle of the, <laughs> yeah. up to 12 inches and just right at the edge of the 12 inches as near to the relic as possible. Yeah. And then you parked your uh, Stormlord out in the corner. Yeah. But still within its range of its Vulcan Mega Bolter. So yeah. like it had a good covering fire of the entire relic securing area. <laughs> yes. Oh, a uh, small note. Uh, we were playing this battle uh, using GW's, GW's new Cities of Ruin battle mat. Yeah. Yeah. Do we have the box? Oh, no. No, we're no the we box do room. not have the box. Anyway, you can look it up online. Um, <laughs> the map, is, uh, the battle mat is actually gorgeous. I think it's uh, it's awesome. It, it looks to have like an imperial sort of landing area with a big double aquilas surrounded by the volcanic rock or this red rock with, mm-hmm. you know, land raider treads all over it. It looks awesome. It looks great. But it's different. It's a different construction than the yeah, fat yeah, mat that we mat, yeah. normally play with, the ones from Table War. So uh, just a, a note on that. Uh, it's First of all, it's knitted or it's sewn yeah. all the way around. So it kind of takes you out of the, yeah, I don't, of the I, reality I don't like- that this is a mat. I mean, this is a battlefield. That, that and the layout of the mat in terms of like the imperial landing space followed by like open ground. The third, because it, it should be a, it, the um, imperial landing site should be like elevated in terms of three dimensional space. But since it's a flat mat, it's not. So we, um, so it just sort of, I don't know why it just bothers me. Really? I like it. I, I, I thought it was great. I, cause it, nah. it, it it made us lay out our terrain in a different way, which I really like. The fact that that it was consistent with the sort of geography and topography of the battle mat. No, that that was nice. It's just me thinking about the like three D space of it. I was like, oh, that doesn't, but that doesn't make sense though, because we should be above each other. So you're <laughs> trying to think about the reality of something in forty k. I'm trying to think. <laughs> well, I mean, if we're talking about yeah. I think certain laws of physics are still in play. Yeah, I guess it's certainty on most places. We're not. We're not living in an. And we're not unless we're in a demon world now. We hopefully still have. We hopefully yeah. are escaping. In in uh, we hopefully aren't living on an M.C. Escher type uh, planet. <laughs> planet. That would be a fun game. That would be a fun. That would be a fun. Roll <laughs> for gravity. Over gravity. Oh nope, no, we're no floating. gravity. <laughs> Your models just are floating. floating. <laughs> now yeah. do now do the stairs go around in a circle? <laughs> That's right. I'm gonna go off the edge of the map and come over here <laughs> and come back in this way. It's like Pac-Man. <laughs> that would be fun. All right, but normal physics applied in this game. You're right. <laughs> 
<laughs> we, yes. yeah, let's just lay some ground rules. Let's lay some. <laughs> no, <laughs> not, none of the models voted. It's yeah. fine. None, <laughs> right. Turn one. Uh, let's talk about turn one. What happened in turn one? Uh, my turn one was me rushing the front and shooting Laz cannons at your Imperial Knight and not getting one. And that was it. Okay, so you rushed up your chimeras uh, to the relic. Yep. And you did not move your Stormlord, and you just shot the last cannon sponsons at the at the Imperial Knight. Mm-hmm. All right, Imperial Knight, uh, the, the last cannons pinged off its ion shield. It had a four-up and won't save, and of course it, really, it made it. So it was unhurt, and the chimeras were now basically on top of the relic at this point. Mm-hmm. All right, my turn one. I move up, I move up the knight. And then he he shoots the chimeras with his thermal cannon. Yep. Missed one. Yep. Hit the other one. Yep. It explodes. Yep. And out come uh, it kills one trooper. No, you know the D uh, the D sword, the D sword. Oh right right right. So no so so I hit I basically I know I so I didn't I didn't I mobilized one chimera. Yep. And uh, and I put some hope. I think I put a hole point on it. Yep. Right. So that didn't happen yet. So that's what the shooting is. Uh, that's what the shooting. The uh, the heavy stubber didn't do anything, and then the rocket uh, pod, I think, ended up putting a whole point in immobilizing the second chimera. So that's what happened. Yep. Then I then assaulted the chimera. Yep. And it was the D sword that basically hit a D attack on the chimera and caused it to explode, and I killed one trooper in that explosion. Yeah, that was it. Right. So you now you had nine vets all spilled out. Um, and this giant Imperial Knight looming over them. Yep. With the relic in sight. Okay, that was turn one. Turn two. Okay, turn two. I now suspect I'm going to lose. Like, strongly <laughs> suspect. Well, actually, really, I think I suspected when I heard the list. I was like, I'm. that's not good. <laughs> what was it? What, was it hearing at the uh, yeah, he, I was sanguinary he- guard? Was- yeah, I was, as soon as I heard the sanguinary guard, I was like, ooh. And then I was thinking about the knight... And I didn't really, and how I didn't have much to combat that. And I was thinking, ooh, no. <laughs> so I continued to, um, I actually released the other group of vets in the immobilized, in the other immobilized chimera. Yeah, they came out of the chimera. Yep, I shot las cannons at it again to no effect, to no avail. And I just sort of stood there with my people. Okay, yeah, you well you went for the relic. I went for the relic. Yeah, yeah so yeah. one one unit of your vets went for the relic yeah. and held it. And the second unit just, you know, jumped out of the immobilized camera and just stood around. Yeah, yeah. Your last sure. cannons missed again. Uh and, and so the night so the night stayed where he was. My turn my turn two happened. Uh, and the night stayed where he was. The Sanguinor and the Sanguinary Guard yep. deep struck, scattered three inches, so they were fine. They fired their Angelus bolt guns at each of the different uh, vets. They killed four in the unit of vets holding the relic. And they killed, I think, like three or four in the second unit of vets. You made a remarkable group of of saving throws because three of your vets were in a crater. Yep. You needed five up. And there were seven wounds to, to account for. And we and I made like five of them? <laughs> five five-up saves, one right after the other. It was pretty remarkable. Yeah, it was crazy. Right. It was crazy to look at. Right. Um, so my plan after that was to uh, basically we did assaults, and then the Imperial Knight assaulted the um, the units, the, the vets that were holding the relic. Yep. And then with his Reaper chainsword, he just murdered them all. Murdered them all. Just they they 
did a DDD attack and they all turned into mush. And then the uh, other squad ran. The other squad had run after the shooting attacks. And then I was like, oh, well, I concede. Yeah. Well, yeah, and you conceded after that. So it was the end of turn two, and you conceded. And normally we like to play it out to turn three, but given the fact that this is a relic-based a re- mission. A relic-based mission. Uh, I had nothing un- that could collect it, the relic at this point. Uh, well, um, the commissar could have. He could have, technically speaking. <laughs> he could have, he could have, he could have drove up the storm lord. Let me get closer. I want to hit the knight with my sword. <laughs> and he could have jumped out. Yeah. He could have evaded all of the uh, Imperial Knight attacks. Oh, yeah. And then, and then walked the uh, relic off the field. <laughs> it's not impossible. Okay. All right. It's very unlikely. You know, very we, unlikely. <laughs> you looked at the math. We looked at the possibility of what was going to happen. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's yeah. I had I had a knight with a Reaper chainsword, a D-attack sword, that could kill the Storm Lord. And then I've got at least one Power Fist in the um in the sanguinary guard plus the sanguinor and that probably would have helped finish off the the storm lord yep yeah it was yeah after that i was just sort of like ah well right i know what's gonna happen unfortunately all right so in the battle of the storm so in the battle of the lords of war yeah uh between storm lord and the imperial knight the imperial knight takes round one round one <laughs> well we're gonna play <laughs> lords of war again some sometime sometime yeah I, I don't know if the imperial Knight's gonna face the storm lord again but we'll see all right i might have i might have wanted to take the storm surge just just in order to have any sort of competitive edge <laughs> yeah yeah well okay no i mean you're free to take it you're free to take it yeah um i know i'm free to take it back but i felt it would have been too much but now looking at that i was like ooh, well you should have maybe <laughs> Because that probably would have had the best chance of killing a knight. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yep. Okay, well, it was a, it was a short but fun game. Uh, I also like playing a thousand point games every now and then. Yeah. Eighteen fifty games take forever, and the thousand point games are done. Even even when you don't concede in turn two. Even yeah, even <laughs> when you, they just they just back because there's so many rapid. so fewer models yeah. on the table. You don't have, you don't have to deal with nearly as much. No, nearly you just as much. move three or four things and then you're done. And yep. that's actually kind of fun. It's a lot more fun. Yeah. In this game, it the the setting up and the taking down took about as long as the game. Pretty much. <laughs> Which is usually not the case. Okay, well, that's it. It's a short episode, but a fun one. I hope you enjoyed it. We will be back in a couple of weeks. Uh, by then, we should have seen the Traitor Legions uh, book, the Wrath of Magnus book. We should have gotten our hands on all the beautiful Thousand Suns models, so we'll be definitely reporting on those. But until then, I'm George. And I'm Malik. And we play 40K. We'll see you guys soon.